Hello, Marvel fans, and welcome to episode number three of This Week in Marvel, the new podcast. I am Marvel.com editorial director Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, and I'm joined by two special guys. I was going to say special guests, but one of them is my normal co-host. Then we've got another guy. So first up is Ben. Say hello. Hey, everybody. Marvel.com associate editor Ben Morris here. Happy to be back for another week of this award-winning podcast. Uh, I gave it several awards last week. They're all hanging on my my wall. Yeah, they're, they're, we, we earn those. Uh, and then joining us this week is uh, Strami. Say hello, Strami. Hello, this is uh, Marvel.com assistant editor Mark Strom, a.k.a. Strami. And I am very pleased that uh, Ryan and Ben allowed my nasal Minnesotan tones on this podcast. Yeah, I apologize uh, ahead of time to everybody listening. Um, this one is a little bit different than what we've done the past two weeks because we're not at Marvel headquarters right now. Uh, ben and I are on the East Coast, but Strami is in the West Coast. So uh, Ben and I have taken to Skype in our personal um, caves, and Strami is at Marvel headquarters out in Los Angeles or sort of Los Angeles. Um, so hopefully the sound is still as good as it is normally, and uh, we want you guys to let us know what you think next week or over the next week so we can chat about that um, when we do the next episode. And it's up to you guys whether or not Strami will join us again in the future, so we leave it in your hands. Um, but first up, we got to actually tell you what this podcast is all about. This Week in Marvel is all about Marvel. Uh, we're going to talk about the news information and specifically all the new releases and stuff that's on television available in stores uh comics on your app everywhere you can get marvel um, we want to make sure that you guys know everything that's out right now so let's go right into print comics on sale this week ben why don't you start us off i would be happy to ryan up first we've got amazing spider-man number 674 written by dan slot and with art by a giuseppe camoncoli who is stepping in to do some regular work on that title. Um, he is going to be alternating into the mix with Umberto Ramos and Stefano Caselli. And this is the first true post-Spider Island issue of Amazing Spider-Man. It features the return of the original Vulture. Uh, it's very cool stuff. It lets you know where a lot of the players from Spider Island are going to be going moving forward. Because the cool thing about Amazing Spider-Man right now is it is a book about Peter Parker, it's also about all the other people in his life. Uh, for more on what's coming up in Spider-Man, if you haven't already, catch last week's edition of The Watcher right here on Marvel.com, where I spoke to Spider-Man assistant editor Ellie Pyle, who gave us the download. Awesome. Yeah, I noticed Giuseppe on this issue. He just he brought a lot of cool fashion stuff into the into the book, which is one of those great things. He's done a lot of work on X20 on um, Dokken, and uh, he always makes him wear really cool clothing, which is something pretty awesome. So Vulture's gang has some pretty sweet gear. Could say he has a passion for fashion. One one could could say that, I suppose. I expected Strami to say it, to be honest. I I'm above puns like those. And this is the this is the first issue that has the new subhead, right, Ben? Uh yes, Strami, that's that's a very good observation. It's not actually a subhead because it's above the title, <laughs> but uh it does proclaim that Spider-Man is indeed the world's greatest superhero, and if you disagree, well, I would like to hear your argument because that is that is simply false. Yeah, if you disagree, you're wrong. If you disagree, not only are you wrong, you are a liar. Wow, Strom, you're really starting this off well, aren't you? Why don't you talk about Avengers uh, that's up next? 
Avengers 19. It's uh, by Brian Michael Bendis and Daniel Acuna, and this is uh, some more of the fallout from Fear Itself. You get to see the new lineup of the Avengers, which has a number of old favorites and at least one returning character. Um, is he on the cover? He is on the cover, Strami. He is. The, the Vision is on the cover? The Vision is on the cover, but which Vision is it? Dun, dun, which dun. Vision is it? It's great. It's uh, there. There were a few moments that made me very happy in this one, and um, I'm particularly looking forward to this lineup because it does have a number of, you know, older classic Avengers plus some characters uh, from Bendis's runs on New Avengers and the past Avengers, and I'm just very interested to see where he goes with it. Did you say Pest Avengers? Past. Oh, it's it's hard to tell with uh, the way you speak sometimes, whether you're saying past or pest or whatnot. Um, what else we got? We got Avengers Academy, number 22, uh, Christos Gage and Sean Chen. Um, the Avengers Academy is, is getting situated into their new digs. Um, it's a pretty cool issue, especially if you're a West Coast Avengers fan, which I really, growing up I wasn't, but one of the few comics I had as a kid was uh, when Scarlet Witch kind of went crazy and John Byrne, and there's her on the cover holding the Avengers, the West Coast Avengers. You guys remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the few comics I had when I was super, like, you know, one of the ones I vividly remember having as one of my first comics. So the uh, West Coast style for the Avengers has a, a certain. Uh, a certain little bit of love in my heart for that. Um, but this book is, is going to be really cool. You're going to see a lot of new characters coming in, a lot of characters you didn't think were around. Um, ben, you love this book, don't you? I do, man. I'm a big fan of Avengers Academy. And one of the cool things about this new issue, about uh, issue number 22, is we actually get kind of a crossover. Uh, it's branded as part of Regenesis. And Cyclops' team of X-Men come to the school, uh, to Avengers Academy. Uh, basically, Hank Pym... Needs help with a problem. If you read the first uh, post-Fear Itself issue of Avengers Academy, you know that something has happened to Jocasta. Uh, they call in Magneto to help him out. Magneto is accompanied by Cyclops and Emma Frost. But unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, Magneto has a little reunion because his son, Quicksilver, is at Avengers Academy. Fisticuffs ensue. It's a very cool big fight issue. But it's also uh, a very emotional issue for a lot of reasons. Some some secrets get dropped. Some some bombs of knowledge, if you will. There's a lot of drama in this issue. A lot of drama. Um, so, all right. So, Avengers Academy. You guys definitely should keep picking that up. Um, also, another Avengers book out this week. Avengers Origins. Luke Cage, uh, number one. It's one of our Avengers Origins issues. Um, we've been doing these little one shots for the past couple weeks, and this one was actually super cool. Uh, I was reading it, actually, today, and it gives you the origin of Luke Cage and where he comes from and sort of um, how he gets to be the man he is now. Um, he was involved in some bad stuff, and I think Adam Glass um, and did some really cool stuff on it. And Dalibor Talajic, and we really got to train on, on knowing these names, or at least me. Um, Dalibor Talajic, draws some really cool stuff and, and sort of evokes that 70s vibe really well. Uh, Luke Cage is this like hard-ass, badass back then and, and gets to um, become a family man now. And here you get to see that history that you probably didn't know beforehand. Yeah, it's cool because, and I, I, it's, it's funny, I actually read this this morning on the train as well. Um, 
Luke Cage has a great origin, but it's an origin that was told back in the 70s, and I don't think it was... Uh, it, has, it hasn't really been retold that many times, and this was a cool modern telling because, you know, the 70s origins are great, but they have a lot of, you know, Sweet Christmas this and uh, where's, my, where's my money, honey, that. So it was cool to see it done through a modern lens, but keeping the sensibilities that made it good back then. Yeah. And also, sweet. Oh, sorry, sorry, Strami, please. I'm so sorry. I'm getting used to the flow, the ebb and the flow of having you here. No, sorry. I just, I just want to say that uh, you know Delabor Telegic, uh I think he's one of the more like underrated artists out there working right now. I just love his style. It's very clean, uh, but it's also very. Uh, he's just a very good storyteller, and his line is very very interesting to me. I don't know. I really dig him. He did a lot of good work on uh, the Five Ronin series in particular, and Hip Monkey. So. I enjoyed seeing that. Absolutely true, Strami. Dalibor Talajik is like is how I like to pronounce his name, whether it's true or not. <laughs> also this week, we had Captain America number four, uh, continuing the first arc of the new Captain America series, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Steve McNiven, gorgeous art by Steve McNiven. A lot of stuff going on here with Cap, as well as the new uh, sort of villain, sort of heroic what is he doing? Codename Bravo. Uh, things going on in another dimension. Um, meanwhile, back on Earth, Sharon Carter and Nick Fury are searching for Cap. We also get a new Madam Hydra. Uh, there's a lot of layers to this book, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of characters being introduced. A lot of things going on. Definitely. Uh, I also wanted to make note that um, Steve McNiven, who is an amazing artist um, on this book has uh, a different inker from who many fans would have noticed, say, in, like, Civil War. Um, and so his style sort of is a little bit different. Um, and it, to me, part of it evokes um, a little bit of younger Joe Quesada, but also completely McNiven's own. And I was reading it and just pouring over the art so much. Uh, it was a fantastic issue. Yeah, it also reminds me a little bit of uh, Travis Charest, too. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh. Um, and also, we've got Deadpool number 46 out this week. Uh, Daniel Way is continuing his um, evil Deadpool arc, which involves Deadpool going up against this strange amalgamation of all his old discarded body parts that is essentially Deadpool, but with no conscience or morals. And uh, it's getting kind of insane. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's being illustrated by Salva Espin, fresh off Generation Hope. Uh, I love this guy's work. I love doing Generation Hope. I love the way he does facial expressions. It's almost got a little bit of a uh, manga influence with the big eyes and the uh, kind of very expressive faces. He's perfect for Deadpool because he's got a great sense of uh, humor to go with his great sense of violence which is pretty much the keys to Deadpool, which uh, it's also worth noting, this is issue number 46, all written by Daniel Way. Daniel Way is coming up on 50 issues of Deadpool, which I believe is the record for writing Deadpool. Uh, he eclipsed Joe Kelly a little while ago, and that's pretty cool. That's uh, pretty impressive. Given a few years ago, Deadpool was just another guy floating in limbo, and Daniel Way has really brought him to the top. So good on you, Daniel Way. You get our This Week in Marvel Salute of the Week. Kudos. S salute of the week. That's a new thing Ben just made up, and I like it. Just made it up. 
Awesome. Uh, another Deadpool book out this week, Deadpool Max 2, um, number 2. Uh, I, I love the Deadpool Max series. It's so weird and different uh, from all the other Deadpool books out there. Uh, I think I was trying to count how many concurrent Deadpool books we've had in recent memory. I think there was one point, one point this year there were four, or that was late last year there were four, and now there are, I think, two. Uh, Deadpool Max by Dave Lapham and Kyle Baker, just super cool book. Kyle Baker does some great stuff. Um, he's such he's very much a cartoonist in the way he draws and his style, and he's really terrific. It's um and it's really really quite violent. So uh, if you're not checking out the Max line, the Deadpool Max, I think you really should. Yeah, we also had Fear Itself number seven point three. Uh, Fear Itself, the book with so much value, we gave you three extra issues. Uh, This week we focused on Iron Man, written by his regular creative team of Matt Fraction, uh, with art by Salvador La Roca. Uh, Basically, you know, this was a fallout of a lot of what Iron Man went through during Fear Itself. Uh, This issue saw him confront Odin, which was a pretty epic confrontation, given that it's uh, Iron Man, one of the most powerful Avengers, basically talking smack to Thor's dad and finding out whether he can get away with it. Uh, I encourage you to find out whether he got away with it. It's a pretty awesome conversation and ends both exactly where you'd expect it to and yet not at all. But on the flip side, you've got Tony Stark dealing with the captured Greg Gargoyle, who in one of the creepiest parts of Fear Itself turned the entire city of Paris to stone uh, and then shattered a bunch of them. Uh, We get some fallout from that and some resolution to that storyline. It's some pretty emotional stuff. It's pretty crazy stuff. It's beautiful, as always, by Salvador Roca. We get one last glimpse at Iron Man's Asgardian armor. And it's just a lot of great action. It's Matt Fraction getting to wrap up this epic fear itself storyline that he did. And we've also got, uh, leaning off of that, Fear Itself, The Fearless, number three, which deals with some more Fear Itself fallout. Uh, this is the issue in which uh, Valkyrie, who's searching for all the different hammers, or Sora teams up with the Seeker Avengers to fight a bunch of vampires. It is highly entertaining. I would say that Vampire Kill of the Week definitely goes to Ant-Man. Um, and you will have to read the book to find out why I think Vampire Kill of the Week goes to Ant-Man. Um, and this book, you know, it's just got great art to me. Mark Bagley and Paul Pelletier are two artists who I've always loved for years and years now. And uh, the, uh, you know, Arthur Adams is worth the price of admission. The Arthur Adams cover is worth the price of admission alone. That thing is just gorgeous. But yes, highly entertaining. I recommend you go out for it. Uh I'm going to, I'm going to ask permission here. I'm going to, I'm going to go by chain of command and ask uh, our host, uh, Agent M, if I can, can I talk about the last page of Fear Itself, the Fearless number three? Um, sure. Just be warned, noble listener, that Ben is going to spoil something, so you may want to fast forward a minute or so into the podcast um, if you don't want to be spoiled on this issue. All right. Spoiler alert on in full, but the final page of Fear Itself, the Fearless number three features the long-awaited, highly anticipated uh, you demanded it return of none other than the DOA. That's right. The DOA were introduced in the 90s in the Night Stalker series starring Blade, Hannibal King, and Frank Drake are back. 
uh, they've been laying low for a solid 15 to 20 years. They're a group of vampire assassins who <laughs> some research on because I knew they were going to be in this book. Um, I don't know much about them other than Colin Bond, the writer, is super, super excited to bring this team back. And I love when creators get excited to bring back obscure characters from the 90s from anywhere. Uh, so I'm very excited to see... I, I'm very excited for Colin Bunn, who's an awesome writer, to let us know why he um, why he felt the DOA were worth bringing back and what he loves about them. I'm excited. I, lo- I love it when we bring back obscure characters, and Colin's a man to do it. Tens of people are excited for the DOA. I'm excited for you guys. Um, in addition to DOA's big return in Fearless number 3, uh, Generation Hope number 13 is out this week. Um, and that, I believe, is James Asmus's first issue on Generation Hope. Is that correct, guys? You are yes. correct. Correct. Um, that is the first full issue. First full issue, and then with uh, really great pencils by Ibrahim Roberson. Um, yeah, I was a little hesitant to, at first, to be honest, because I think Kieran Gillen just did amazing work on the first year of Generation Hope. But James sort of just came right in there and knocked it out of the park with the first issue. He gets the characters, he gets the dynamics, um, especially in this post-schism, regenesistic world. Um, I think it's it's really it's fun stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going, and I like the uh, the bits of romance and drama that are going on with the kids right now. Um, in addition to Generation Hope, we have a book called I Am Captain America out this week, which if you guys were um, if you guys were earlier this year when the Captain America film came out, we did a series of I Am Captain America covers, variant covers to a bunch of different issues uh, drawn and painted by various creators. Um, the cover to I Am Captain America is by Joe Casada. So this compiles all those covers. And it gives a little bit of commentary, a little bit of background information. There's some art by some Pixar artists. There's a great Scotty Young cover in there. There's the Joe Casada piece. I mean, if if you can't lay down the money to get the you know probably pricier variant covers, this is a great way to get all that art and and have it for all time. So this is really terrific. Um, ben, you who wants to take uh, Incredible Hulk? Strami. I'll take Incredible Hulk. Uh, So Incredible Hulk number two, it's the second part of Jason Aaron and Mark Silvestri's opening arc. Uh, First thing I should tell you is that the cover promises a fight between Hulk and giant sharks, and the book lives up to promise. You get to see the Hulk just knocking the tar out of a bunch of... uh, uh, sharks deep in the ocean. He also introduces a cool new group of characters that are called the Mad Squad um, that are basically mad scientist hunters. I just I love what Jason Aaron is doing on this book. The new dynamic he's bringing between Hulk and Banner by separating them and sort of turning Banner into this Dr. Moreau mad scientist character. Um... I think it's really, really interesting. Yes, it is, it is indeed, Strami. And, uh, you know, I like that you pointed out that the giant sharks on the cover fighting Hulk are indeed in there. Because there's too many... There's too many... I'm going to take a stance. I'm going to take a stance, guys. There's too many comics today that promise uh, their heroes fighting giant sharks on the cover and then don't deliver. Uh, I'm proud of Marvel. 
of Jason Aaron, of everyone involved in this production of Incredible Hulk for delivering, and I dare say exceeding on the promise of the beautiful Mark Silvestri cover featuring uh, the Incredible Hulk versus Shark Monsters. And speaking of monsters, in a natural segue, Legion of Monsters number two by writer Dennis Hopeless and our beloved artist Juan Doe, good close personal friend of the show, also came out this week. Uh, featured the Legion of Monsters along with Elsa Bloodstone trying to track down the psychic virus of sorts that is turning monsters into killers as opposed to the cute, cuddly creatures they usually are. Uh, it's kind of a cool little mystery going on in the background, but that doesn't prevent some big action. Uh, Elsa Bloodstone and one of my personal favorite characters, Werewolf by Night, uh, take a trip down to the uh, Nether Realms where they run into Master Pandemonium. Uh, and Satanish, you know what? They don't run into Master Pandemonium. I apologize. That was false argument. That was, that, that was a false advertising. They run into Satanish, um, who I often you just get from my heart, Ben. I'm so sorry. I often get Master Pandemonium and Satanish confused. Uh, they are both uh, not Satan level Marvel demons uh, with awesome designs, but you've got to see Wando drawing. Satanish, and you've got to see, I pronounce it like five different ways because I'm not sure which one is right, and you've got to see him depicting the underworld. I mean, Wando is awesome. He has such a cool, unique style, and Dennis Hopeless brings it with the story. Uh, like I said, it's got mystery, it's got action, it's got horror. It's a great just mix and match of different blends, and if that wasn't enough, Damon Hellstrom, Son of Satan, uh, the new Wolverine, as Ryan and I like to call him. <laughs> Because he shows up everywhere because every writer loves him. And who wouldn't? He's an awesome character. He makes an appearance in this. And I love Dennis Hopeless's take on him. He has a different uh, different kind of different kind of view on the Son of Satan. And it works very well. Yeah, it's, it was a terrific issue. Um, also a terrific issue this week, New Mutants thir- number 34. Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning. I think this is they're like nine issues or ten issues into their run right now. And... Um, I think we, we've probably already talked about this book on the show, but it is terrific. It is New Mutants is easily, hands down, one of my favorite books that we put out. Um, and we had uh, David LaFuente on art for the last arc, and now we have David Lopez on art right now. It is just, it's so good. The The team is um, now involved in trying to find Blink, and Blink is going all around, and there's a mystery surrounding her and where she goes and um, some sort of happenings that are happening while wherever she goes. Um, and there's also sort of in the background introduced this new band. And um, it, I'm going to just be a, a – I'm going to geek out a little bit because uh, before this arc even started, uh, editor Sebastian Gerner came over to me at Marvel headquarters and he was like, hey, I'm going to have a metal band in the in the in upcoming New Mutants arc, and artist David Lopez is going to draw them, and we were talking about tattoos and putting tattoos on them and didn't want to do sort of generic barbed wire, metal stuff, whatever, whatever, Um, so can we use your tattoos as reference? So the lead singer of Discord, the metal band in in New Mutants in this arc, and you'll see them pop up again next issue, um, has a version of my left arm on his left arm, um, which, I mean, is, is awesome. I was very uh, humbled and, and thankful to Sebastian and David for putting that in there. I just and it's also super duper cool. Um, so yeah, that is not the reason why I love this book, but it does help um, make it even more special to me. So New Mutants is absolutely one of my favorite books out right now. And uh, 
this week we've also got Six Guns number two, which is the second issue of the miniseries by writer Andy Diggle and artist Davide Gianfelice. Good job, Strami. Close enough. Yeah. You're from Minnesota. You you don't know these these crazy names. (laughs) Um... And, you know, if you're a fan of Andy Diggle's writing like I am, this is sort of, you know, one of the perfect series is for him. It's kind of a modern-day Western uh, starring some of, you know, uh, Tarantula is in it. Um, I'm forgetting the two other characters. But it's great fun, lots of big action set pieces. Uh, I love Davide Gianfilice's artwork. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, and the two of them, uh, Diggle and Davide, uh, did Daredevil Reborn. So if you're a fan of that at all, you should definitely check out Six Guns because it definitely has very much the same feel and tone to it in some ways. Um, but yes, Ben, uh, could you... Yeah, uh, Strami, just, just to contribute, uh, yes, the other two characters are the Black Rider, who is... Uh, kind of a new take on an old familiar Western character. And then also, I think the guy's name is Tex Lawson. He's yeah. like, he's, he's, he's a Texas uh, sheriff whose partner got killed in the first issue. And now he is out for revenge. But uh, at the end of the issue, they introduce another new character who they don't name, but he's a kid. Uh, he's got two guns. So we'll see where he goes next issue. Hmm. This book surprised the bleep out of me. I'm really digging it. Yeah, me too, man. It's a cool blend of uh, a Western and a Marvel Universe book, but it's also got, I don't know, it's hard to describe. It's got almost like, I don't know if it's crime noir, I don't know if it's crime procedural, but there's kind of like that police drama sense where they're trying to figure out what's going on with the inner workings of crime. A lot going on. It's very cool. It's a beautiful book, too. Um, Speaking of beautiful books, we've got The Punisher number 5 out this week. This is... uh, the fifth issue of Greg Rucka and Marco Cicchetto's Punisher. Uh, Marco Cicchetto has visually reinvented the Punisher, who for years, you know, he's looked a lot of different ways. We've had uh, the Punisher back in the 90s when Jim Lee was working on him. We had Steve Dillon defined him for so many years, Tim Bradstreet, guys like that. And now Marco has brought his own sensibility to Frank Castle. It's very cool. It's, it's, it's a very Eastern-influenced, almost... Uh, almost Japanese uh, or Chinese version, but also, you know, distinctly Punisher, very American, a lot of dark hues and stuff like that. And I love what he does with the Punisher logo where it's no longer a stark cartoony skull. It's, it's, it's this skull. It's hard to describe. It's almost like it was done in chalk. Um, it's very eerie. It's very spectral. And this is almost kind of a cool down issue um, for, for Rucka between the Punisher's fight with the vulture um, the new vulture, the now deceased vulture, um, and what's coming up next. This kind of catches up with the Punisher, you know, because he's not a superhero. He's an ordinary guy licking his wounds, um, interacting with a kid, uh, which is very interesting, and also checking with what's going on with some of the new supporting cast. So if you missed the first four issues of Punisher, uh, you should go buy them. But this is a pretty cool place to jump on as well. It's a cool place to catch your breath and get ready for the next big arc. Yeah, it's, and it's it's a really dark book, um, so it's it's great. But just be ready to get you know to like it's heavy. There's a lot of bad stuff going down, um, so be ready for that. Also, this is not, this is not the lighthearted Punisher uh, you're used to. <laughs> Shut up, Ben. The lucky Punisher of 
met <laughs> Riverdale's favorite teenager back in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, another dark book right now, we have uh, The Stand. The Night Has Come. Uh, I think this issue, it's issue number four came out this week. Um, and The Stand saga is wrapping up really quickly. Um, which <clears throat> I'd never read Stephen King's Stand novel. I know many people did. But I came into the the series of comics that we did being like, okay, this is this is the stand. I want to check it out. And Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and Mike Perkins have just nailed it. It's so good. It's, every issue is beautiful, and you know they weave all these different characters together. And I'm, they're working off great material to begin with. But you know it's easy to completely fumble an adaptation, um, and they just as easily take it and just deliver every issue. I'm actually kind of bummed that the series is over um, in a couple months, but um, I'm, I'm happy for Roberto and Mike to to wrap this all up and then to go on to some new projects. So um, the stand the night has come number four. Um, Strami, isn't there a Thunderbolts book out this week? There is a Thunderbolts book. God, oh, Strami, Really? <laughs> There is a Thunderbolts book out this week, issue number 165. And I'm going to say that Thunderbolts is probably uh, my favorite book that we publish right now, not only because it's got great writing from Jeff Parker and great art from uh, Kev Walker and also Declan Shalvey, but because this book has the shocker in it. And in my opinion, the shocker is one of the greatest Marvel characters of all time uh feel free to disagree with me but you know again you'll be wrong uh and this <laughs> issue continues the thermobolt sort of trip through time uh we've got a bunch of characters the fixer mr hyde um uh moonstone and several others uh back during world war ii this is the golden age thunderbolt story arc so you get to see them all in you know a much different setting than what you're used to. Uh, it's just it's fantastic. Jeff Parker has a certain specialty with writing uh, team books and the way he is able to so seamlessly juggle such large casts and still have everyone have their own separate voice and plot line. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh. It- I started jumping, but is this the book where Namor um, gets healed by Satana? Yeah, it is. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I just want to mention that Namor gets his freak on a little bit in here, and it is fantastic. You know, I'm not even sure that Namor knows he's getting his freak on. He's like all <laughs> out of it, and Satana's just like, hey, I'm going to heal you. The only way to do it is to, you know, kind of strip down to my unmentionables and then get into a weird-looking bathtub with you. Uh, but maybe so, but at that point, Namor knows. Namor's like, oh, I see. I'm enjoying this. Yep. He, he is fully aware of what's going on right there. It may be that he gets to that point. He was like, whoa. But once once things are going on, going on, Namor is in the driver's seat, no doubt about oh, yeah. it. No, the pointy ears perk up, and you know, once you've had Merman, you never go back. No. But uh, yeah, chew on that. Strami, I... I, I, I it's very interesting. You did your little ode to Shocker at the beginning, uh, given that Shocker does not appear on a single page of this issue. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know he does not appear on a single page. I just felt obligated to gratuitously plug the greatest character in Marvel history. 
You're yeah. derailing this whole podcast. I'm, I'm even more interested because he was actually written out of the book several issues ago and has since appeared in Amazing Spider-Man um, and is going to be in Villains for Hire coming up, but he's no longer a member of the Thunderbolts cast, Strami. I... So, so anyways, Ultimate Comics X-Men number three uh, was another book that came out last week. Did not feature the Shocker, much like Thunderbolt. Um, <laughs> Continuing the rebirth of the Ultimate Comic Universe. Uh, it's written by Nick Spencer. Great art by Paco Medina. Featuring Shadowcat, Iceman, Human Torch, Rogue, uh, Wolverine's son. And a debut of an Ultimate character, Ryan, I know you were pretty excited about. Yes, Maggot. That's right. Ultimate Maggot is in the hizzy. And uh, he's getting busy. Um, this is a very weird, in a good way, book. Um, it's about what's going on with mutants in the Ultimate Comics universe. Uh, it's got some religious overtones. People on both the quote-unquote villain and quote-unquote hero sides believe a higher power is speaking to them, compelling them to do certain things. Uh, you have Quicksilver running around making deals with the government. Uh, it's, it's, it's not your typical superhero book. It's uh, almost a conspiracy-laden kind of you know, world building book. And I think it's, I think it's real cool. And I like what Nick Spencer's doing. And I've always loved Paco Medina from way back in the day. So good to see him doing his thing. Yeah. Paco Medina is just, he's just incredible. He's always been incredible. I'm actually looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Uh, Cause every year he sends out his, um, his holiday card, his Christmas card. Um, and I will post that up on my Marvel blog, um, I posted up, I think, the last two or three years of his Christmas cards up on the blog last year. Um, it's always a delight. Um, but also a delight was Venom number 9 by Rick Remender and Stefano Caselli. Um, I guess it's not, like, it's a great book. It's not delightful. There's nothing pleasant and happy about Venom. It's just, oh, everything is going wrong, and Venom... Uh, Flash Thompson's dad just died, and Spider Island happened, and he's trying to save everybody, and he freaks out. He venoms out, um, sort of like a Hulk out, but he venoms out like crazy. This issue is hardcore. There's a villain who appears in the book who may or may not last to the end of the issue. Um, It was another great, yet another heavy issue of Venom by Remender. Um, So, really love this book, but... Remender's messed up, guys. He's got he's got some serious issues that he needs to uh, work out, and I'm glad he's doing them in the page. And I'm glad he's working those issues out in the pages of comics like Venom and Uncanny X Force because it makes for some great readings. Uh, Rick Remender's clearly troubled uh, psyche is producing some fantastic stories for all of us. And speaking of severely fractured psyches, <laughs> we come to Charlie Houston's. Wolverine, the best there is, uh, drawn with love and care and graphic, graphic violence. This is not one for the kids by Juan Jose Rip. Uh, this is one of me and Agent M's favorite books um, because it is so out there and it is so exactly what you want. It's basically a book about Wolverine getting into the most bloody, horrible fights he can possibly get into, uh, taking excessive amounts of damage dishing out excessive amounts of damage, weird characters showing up, uh, maniacal things happening, and 
it's all awesome. It's all great. There are no rules in Wolverine the best there is other than that it's, 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 it's the best there is. It, it's such a quirky book, and I always look forward to reading it, and you can just jump in at any time. Ryan, you love this book, right? I do, I do. It's, the art for me is what first gripped me, but I think the story that Charlie Houston's kind of put together and this little corner of Wolverine's world that he's building is so weird and so cool and so different from everything that like Jason Aaron has been doing or has been going on in the, the regular X-Men team books. It's, it's really great. I, I like this book a lot. Different side of the Wolverine family, X-23, issue number 17 came out this week, uh, written by Marjorie Liu, art by Sana Takeda. This was the beginning of the, I'm not sure if it's officially called this, but I'm going to call it because this is what Marjorie calls it, the Adventures in Babysitting arc, <laughs> um, where X-23, uh, obviously the ideal choice to babysit any child, has been selected by Reed and Sue Richards to, to take care of their kids. Um, it's awesome. It's such a bizarre dynamic. X-23, this kind of stoic, doesn't even know how to feel teenager with the ever-precocious Franklin and Valeria Richards. She's trying to take care of them. She's seriously trying to be a good babysitter um, when she really has no idea how to even do the just, – just like have a conversation with someone, let alone babysit. And then on the side, we've also got Hellion who was her love interest back in New X-Men is in the book, and he's basically trying to figure out where their relationship's at. I love, you know, I love watching X-23 in action and watch her go out there, do damage with her claws. But what sets this book apart, what Marjorie Liu's done a great job with, is showing the emotional stuff that X-23 doesn't really get, but she's trying to, whether it's, you know, talking to the boys she likes or trying to babysit or trying to be a mentor or trying to have a mentor. That's where the book really shines, and this is an absolutely great issue for that. Totally. Um, finally, I think our last new issue uh, print comic of the week is X-Factor number 227 by Peter David and Leonard Kirk. Um, X-Factor is one of those books that goes along every month that has this really great core fan base, and I just want to scream from the rooftops of how awesome this book is and how quirky and weird and great character dynamics, and there's guest stars galore every issue. Um, you know, it, it's... It's really terrific, and then you have you bring in Leonard Kirk on art, who is just he's so good. Um, and Peter David is this master of, of dialogue. And this book comes in from all these different angles um, that we can you know we can see. And in this book, they they've introduced this new um, this new villain. I think he's a new villain. I can't remember if he's been established previously. Um, but this new villain and X Factor, all like 80 members of the team have to go and fight him. It's um, it's a super terrific book. Uh, you could probably jump on a couple issues beforehand if you've not read X Factor. But if you're not reading the book, I really, really suggest you get in on it um, as soon as you can. Um, ben, what were you? I just saw a note come in from you. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's a note for the Day and Date Digital Comics. Um, section of the show that's really for you and, and Stromy and uh, not for our listeners. Ah, So enjoy that over, <laughs> over in the chat. 
Yeah, so a little bit behind the scenes for you guys listening at home is we're still getting this all sorted out for ourselves, but um, we've got a chat going on where we're giving each other messages. Okay, you you take this book, you take this book, you talk about this, you talk about that. So um, we're we're still working it all out. We're having a good time. We're having fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, it's, it's a little silly, and that's just that's who we are. Uh, Strami, why don't you take the collections on sale? All right, we got Deadpool Team Up Volume Three. Uh, which has a bunch of, well, Deadpool team-ups. Deadpool Volume 7, which is, I believe, the collection of issues in which Deadpool goes off into space. Uh, Marvel Masterworks Golden Age All Winners Volume 4, which has some Golden Age goodness from the All Winners squad. Marvel Universe vs. Wolverine hardcover. Wait, did I say it? Yes, I said that right. Um which collects the main series by Jonathan Mabry and uh, Goran Parlov. So good. So yeah, that was... That, that was depressing was, uh, as hell. Yeah. It is very depressing. Do a lot of depressing books, but we do them well. But it, it's really, really good, especially if you like sort of zombie-esque stories. That book was just terrific. Um, but it'll, man, break, it'll break your heart. Uh, it was a sequel to Mar- – well, actually, it was the prequel to Marvel Universe vs. Punisher. So if you read that book and want to know how it all got started, you got to pick up uh, Marvel Universe vs. Wolverine, which I believe uh, it features so many cameos. Strami, I'm pretty sure Shocker was in there at some point. Well, then, you know, you're, you're just going to pick on me with the Shocker thing this entire time, aren't you, Ben? No, I, legitimately, I think Shocker might be in the book. Oh, really? I don't know. I <laughs> Come on, keep going. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, okay. Uh, next up we got Spider-Man Torment, which collects uh, Todd McFarlane's first arc on the uh, Spider-Man book, issues one through five. Classic stuff. Uh, some of the first comics I actually read. Um, we, were actually, we were actually walking down the hall at Marvel HQ last Friday. That's when our uh, our comps and our trades come in, and, and Ryan and I were walking down uh, to a meeting, and he saw... Spider-Man Torment, like the the stacks of them coming in, and he literally like did a double take. He was so excited to see it. Yeah, it was it was terrific, pretty great. Uh, next we've got Thor. Um, does that have a s- subtitle then, or is it just Thor? That's Thor: The World Eaters, I believe. Yes, yes correct. The World Eaters. And uh, that collects uh, Matt Fraction and Pasquale Ferry's first arc from issues 615 to 621. Um, uh, great stuff. All set pre-Fear Itself and sort of seed some things that eventually go into Fear Itself. Uh, sadly, it does not have the shocker in it. And then Ultimate Comics... Uh, Doomsday trade paperback, which collects the three uh, main series, Ultimate Comics uh, Enemy, Ultimate Comic Mystery, and Ultimate Comics Doom. Uh, and that was a 12-issue series, all total, by Brian Michael Bendis and Rafa Sandoval. Um, and uh, it's great stuff. Spoiler warning, if you haven't read it, Reed Richards is the big bad, and he's crazy, and it's insane, and it's awesome. Strami, you just—you didn't even give people a chance. You just spoiled the hell out of that whole yeah. thing right Strami, away. Strami, you give a spoiler warning, and then you pause so people can kind of—you know—they—they they know they have to fast forward. You can't—you can't just leap right into it, man. You got—you got to walk before you can run. I ran. 
Yeah, you ran. Uh, quick notes before we move into the next section of the podcast. Um, our intrepid intern, Jaunty, uh, John Tancredi, who puts together all the show notes for us, does a great job in gathering all the information. Um, but he may or may not be completely correct on the trades uh, out this week. So I went over to the Marvel uh the Marvel blog section of Marvel.com to check the Trades Department blog to see what's out this week um, because Trades Janitor, our uh, intrepid blogger and one of the editors in the Trades Department, um, posts up all the new releases every week. So he says Five Ronin is out this week, which is great. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, Ultimate I Comics. Love Five Cap- Ronin. Yeah, Five Ronin is terrific. Uh, Ultimate Comics Captain America by Jason Aaron and Ron Garney. Um, I think, did you mention Scar, King of the Savage Land? No. Um, that's on the list as well, and Deadpool Core, Say You Want a Revolution. Um, so, Jaunty, that is strike number nine for you. Um, we're going to talk about this. Ryan, if uh, if the listeners want to give Jaunty a hard time, tell them how they can reach him via Twitter. Uh, via Twitter, his Twitter is uh, JT. Uh, J-T-A-N-C-R-E-D-I-X. So they can tweet to John Tancredi, our intern, uh, for the next... He's, he's leaving us in the next couple weeks. But uh, let him know... Uh, actually, he's tweeting about this... Uh, about the podcast right now. So yeah, definitely let him know um, what he's done wrong. In addition to our print comics, our collections on sale, uh, we also have Dan Date Digital Comics, which are comics that come out in print, but you can also... Get them on the Marvel Comics app via your uh, digital devices. I want to run through those real quick. Some of the books we mentioned that are out this week that are also out in digital are Amazing Spider-Man number 674, Captain America number 4, Deadpool number 46, Fear Itself the Fearless number 3, Generation Hope number 13, Incredible Hulk number 2, New Mutants number 34, Ultimate Comics X-Men number 3, Venom number 9, and X-23 number 17, all available on the Marvel Comics app. That's a lot of comics. Um, but that's not the only comics available on the Marvel app. Stormy, why don't you talk about other comics released this week on the app? Nope, we've got uh, All Winners Squad, Band of Heroes, number five, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, number 658 through 662, which I believe are a big chunk of uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man issues that occur just before Spider-Island, a little bit before Spider-Island. And uh, we've also got the first six issues of the latest Avengers series by Brian Michael Bendis and John Romita Jr. And those first six issues are the first arc in which the Avengers go up against Kang. And uh, it's a lot of uh, time travel goodness involving evil Ultrons and future Avengers and Kill Raven and Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy who... Uh, after the Shocker, maybe the second best uh, Marvel characters of all time. Says a lot about you that Moon Boy and Shocker are your favorite characters, and I respect that, Stromy. Um, also on the app this week, Captain America number 616 through 619. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what those issues are, but it's Ed, Br- Ed Brubaker goodness, and so it's going to be terrific. Um, Fear Itself number 7, the final ish- issue 
uh, Fear Itself. I know uh, some fans on Twitter are wondering why it wasn't out um, last week or the week before or something like that. Um, but it's on the app now. Sorry for the delay. Um, it's a big, big issue, so download that one. Um, also, Ghost Rider number 14 through 19, which uh, I believe still is Daniel Way, and then I think Jason Aaron comes in around 20. Yeah, I'm sorry? You're correct, sir. All right, yeah. Um, great stuff all around on that Ghost Rider. And then you have Kazar, number five. Uh, oh, what is this next book? Oh, uh, a little book called Nova. Um, features maybe the third greatest character in the history of the Marvel Universe behind Shocker and Moon Boy. Uh, <laughs> this was right in the heart. We got Nova, issues number 13 through 18 from the 2007 series. Right in the midst of Dan Evnett and Andy Lanning's cosmic-fueled goodness. Uh, definitely pick that up. It's all good. A variety of artists crossing over with different stories like Secret Invasion and stuff like that. And finally, we have issues 11 through 16 of Jason Aaron's Wolverine Weapon X series. Uh, you can see where Jason Aaron cut his teeth before he took over Wolverine as well as Wolverine and the X-Men. And those are the digital comics available on the app this week. Yeah, um, but there are still more there's still more goodness on the marvel app uh that we release collections every week on the marvel app so this week you can get cable deadpool volume two uh the burnt offering and that is a terrific series everything cable deadpool you should download that as soon as you can uh runaways volume two teenage wasteland also get all the runaways you can uh secret war that's the brian michael bendis uh gabriel dorotto series which is really cool and sort of sets up a lot of the Marvel Universe that has come to pass over the last decade. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 3, Double Trouble. Wolverine by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, uh, which is a classic, one of the um, the absolute all-time greatest you know, Wolverine stories, if not just Marvel stories altogether. It's, um, it's really, really great. Uh, it gets Wolverine in Japan. It's Chris Claremont um, at his finest scripting Wolverine. It's Frank Miller drawing the hell out of some Wolverine and some ninjas and some fighting and some samurais. And Man, that's a good comic. And then finally, X-Men Messiah Complex, which is really terrific stuff. You, ben, you loved Messiah Complex, didn't you? Messiah Complex was great. It was um, a crossover after my own heart. Uh, it appealed to the kid in me who loved stuff like Executioner's Song back in the 90s, where, you know, you would just get all the X characters together um, with a ton of villains and just doing, you know, the eight or seven plots going on at once, everyone chasing one thing, but it was done in a modern sensibility and leading to some really important events. So Messiah Complex was definitely a winner. Um, and those are the collections released on the app. But Strami, please tell us what is new to uh, Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. New to Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited on Spider-Man Monday, November 14th, which was this past Monday, um, we had Captain America Patriot number four, which was the fourth issue in a series by uh, Carl Kiesel, or Cassell. Uh, again, I'm, in, I, I'm, I'm Minnesotan. Please forgive my pronunciations. Strongly say dragon. <laughs> dragon. Um... <laughs> Uh, Captain America Patriot uh, dealt with uh, the 1950s cap, right, Ben? It did. Very good, Strami. 
Right, and uh, Contest of Champions number two, number one, the classic 1982 series uh, that had all of the heroes fighting each other uh, with the Grandmaster, I believe, uh, overseeing it all. Uh, Invaders Now, number three, which was the recent series by Christos Gage uh, that brought the Invaders to the present day. Osborne, number one, with incredible art by Emma Rios and a great script by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Uh, for anybody... Um, Strami. ...books right now, this is the series that sort of TD up. Ozma of Oz... Uh, number one, um, and then Iron Man Tuesday, uh, November 15th, we had Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, number two, which was the tie-in comic written by Chris Yost, who also um, is the story editor and lead writer on the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon. Avengers The Children's Crusade, number three, uh, which is the third issue in the series by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung, who co-created the Young Avengers, and this is sort of their quest to find Wanda. Contest of Champions, number two, um, and then Wolverine, number 121 and 122, which, was that the final two issues of Warren Ellis' story with Lionel Yu from back in the day? Hmm. It it very well could be Strami. You should look it up. I believe I believe it is. I believe it is the f- parts three and four of Warren Ellis and Laniel Yu's uh, story arc that they did back in the late nineties. Very good. And then today, X Men Wednesday, we released issue twenty nine of the classic Joe Kelly Deadpool series. Uh, issue number three of the very underrated Deadpool Pulp. The first two issues of Generation Hope by Kieran Gillen and Salva Espin teed up one of the best new series in the last few years, so get on board from the start there. And then issue number 19 of the most recent New Mutant series. Now, coming tomorrow, on Thursday, Thursday, 11-17, got some Thor goodness uh, in the form of Thor First Thunder, number three, retelling the early days of Thor. Thor the Mighty Avenger, number six, one of the best series from the past few years, uh, pretty much universally beloved. Um, by Roger Langridge and Chris Samney. We've got the 150th issue of Thunderbolts featuring the Thunderbolts versus the Avengers. And then, going old school, back to the 70s, Cosmic Kookiness, uh, Warlock issues number 11 and 12. Awesome Warlock stuff. Uh, And then finally, wrapping up this week on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited, uh, Contest of Champions number 3, Incredible Hulks, number 616 and 617, and She-Hulks, number 1 and 2. So you guys out there, each day we have one free issue available on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited, but the other 20 issues we just talked about are only available to read uh, to subscribers of Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. So if you go to marvel.com slash digital underscore comics, uh, I believe that's the URL, you'll be able to sign up for digital comics there. Um, it's a really great service. We hope you dig it. Let us know if you sign up um, or if you want to sign up. Hit us up on Twitter and we'll see if there are any discount codes available right now. Um, up next, big stuff, big stuff. We finished all the comics, but that doesn't mean we're done. We also released two count them, two video games this week. The first, I think you all um, have seen, heard, played, drooled over, it is Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Um, 
this is just, I mean, it, it's a huge game. Stromy, talk a little bit about Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is uh, basically the bigger, better version of Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Uh, we've got 12 new characters, 6 from Marvel, 6 from Capcom. We've got new stages, uh, new modes. Uh, my personal favorite addition to the cast is Rocket Raccoon. Uh, who you can play as, and Rocket Raccoon uh, has an Australian accent in this, which I think is just fantastic. Um, but yes, it's 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 a really killer game for anyone who enjoyed Marvel vs. Capcom Three. You know, this just adds to the experience, enriches the experience, and gives you a lot more toys to play with. Indeed, it has new modes. It has uh, new costumes for all the characters. Already in Ultimate, uh, in the previous Marvel vs. Capcom 3, um, Ben, it has Nova in it, which is, I think, a big selling point for you. Pretty excited uh, to hopefully play as Nova in the near future. Um, I don't know how to play the game, but I'm going to learn how to do it just so I can play as Nova and beat Stromy's team of the Shock and Moon Boy, who I'm sure are both in the game. Though those characters are not in I'm, the game. I'm, what? Yes, I'm just curious. Oh, seems Stromy is cut out. That's unfortunate. Keep going, Ryan. No, mm. <laughs> Stromy, I, can continue. What would happen if uh, Ben fought Ryan with Nova versus Modok? I would lose because Ryan has played the game before and I haven't. See, here's the thing, though. For me, I'm not that great at fighting games. But, uh, so I try to, to learn the moves and be good, but I have, if I face someone who is just button mashing, which I'm sure you would be doing, Ben, Absolutely. I, I would just get Nova blasted from here to Kingdom Come. Um, it just wouldn't work out very well. I'm, I'm not that good at fighting games, unfortunately, as much as I enjoy playing them. Um, but the great thing about Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is there are training modes and there are ways to really hone your skills and become better, and you can go online and fight against other people, so you can really get you know all kinds of... Uh, really test yourself and get better at the game. Um, it's really terrific. Uh, I know I talked to some fans this week who uh, saw some posts that we did and the Marvel... Uh, blip video game blob blog posted about alternate costumes there's an elvis modok costume there's annihilation super scroll there's um doom war dr doom there are there's x-men evolution x-23 um it's really this is a game with a lot of love put into it and we hope you guys really really enjoy it as you're playing it but that's not the only game out this week. Also out this week is Marvel Superhero Squad Comic Combat, which is a really unique game. It's available on Wii, it's available on P- PlayStation 3, and it's available on Xbox 360. And it's uh, out from THQ, and it uses THQ's proprietary controller. It's called a U-Draw tablet. And basically what this thing does is it lets you draw on the tablet using, it's sort of like a Wacom, and it has a little stylus, and you draw the motions, the actions that you want to happen in the game. So for Comic Combat, it allows you to, say, draw a line and your character will go there. You can draw a shape and something will happen. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a ton of characters in the game. Uh, Nova's, uh, I'm sorry, um, Captain America's in the game, uh, Squirrel Girl's in the game, 
I think all you really need for any game to be successful nowadays is Captain America and Squirrel Girl, so we're going to leave it at that. But it's really funny. It has the voice actors from the Superhero Squad, Superhero Squad show, uh, the animation. It's uh, it's really great, and it's it's gotten a little bit underplayed because of one, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 out right now, and two, the gigantic flood of really great video games available from everybody right now. Um, so hopefully you guys will give Comic Combat a try. It's great whether you you have a child or whether you're just playing it for yourself. It's funny. It, it's, it's, a, it's a super cool game. Um, yeah, I, I dig it a lot. Now, I, before we move on, I have a question for Strami. Yes, now, Ben. Strami, uh, you just expressed that Rocket Raccoon is your favorite character in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, yes? Yes. But um, anyone who knows you knows that you are terrified of Squirrel Girl, who is in Comics Combat. Yes. What is the difference between a superpowered raccoon and a superpowered <laughs> squirrel? What you have to understand, Ben, is that raccoons are docile, nice what? animals. That may they may attack you, sure, sure, but it's just because you know they're animals. Squirrels are super smart, world-dominating, vicious, psychotic things that want to take over the world and enslave humanity. I'm sorry, dear listener, for my assistant editor's insanity. It's, I'm sorry I asked. Yeah, it's not something I planned on exploring during this episode of This Week in Marvel. Um, but if you want to hear more about his craziness with squirrels and, uh, and elevators, you can tweet him at, at Stromy, S-T-R-O-M-M-Y, on Twitter, and he will happily talk to you about uh, why squirrels are evil. Um, moving on from video games and squirrels, uh, we have some collectibles on in stores this week, and that's something we haven't really brought to you yet in This Week in Marvel. So I reached out to some of my contacts at Hasbro, at Diamond Select Toys, at um, Gentle Giant, at Bowen, at uh, various other companies that we work with to make sure we're getting information to you guys. And so I heard from Diamond Select Toys, and this week, in fact, they have two products um, on shelves for you guys if you go to your comic shop. Uh, the first one is a Marvel Select Punisher action figure. Um, Strami, why don't you talk about that one a little bit? Marvel Select Punisher action figure is uh, quite awesome. This is the one that involves uh, Punisher with the guy on the pin or, uh, pinball table, correct, Ryan? Um, it may, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. It's a, it's a reissue of, of that classic figure. Yes, and it's inspired by uh, Tim Bradstreet's design um, of the Punisher. Tim Bradstreet, you know, did, did Punisher covers for years and years, uh, particularly when Garth Hans was writing them. He did the first 60 issues of Punisher Max. Uh, if you're a Punisher fan, you kind of, as I am, you kind of need this just because it's so awesome and it's detail and the expression on the um, criminal's face who the Punisher has apprehended and thrown onto the pinball table is priceless. Um, it's just a great figure with tons of great detail. Indeed. What else is in stores this week? Uh, we've also got the Marvel Comics logo neon sign, also from Diamond Select. Uh, it's, basically, it's, it's, it's the iconic logo of our company. Um, it's in red and white, the colors of Marvel. 
and it's got a display base and everything. This is, this is a very cool release for me because, you know, if you've ever been to a comic store from the 90s through today, one of the ways comic stores distinguish themselves, particularly at night, is they'll always have cool neon signs of different company logos, different characters, stuff like that. That was That's one of the things I remember from my local shops when I was younger. Um, and it's just a cool thing to have around your house, put in your window. Uh, if you're really thinking about it, I guess put it in your car window. I don't know how that would work, but it would be awesome. But, you know, you can decorate your house with the logo of Marvel Comics. You can make your house look like a comic book store. Or it's just a cool, uh, it's just a cool thing to have. It's just a cool accessory. So basically it's, it's a 9 by 12 sign. Um, it, can be dis- it can be displayed on a flat surface on your wall, anywhere. It's $125. Officially it's $124.99. I round it up, but it's a, it's a very cool thing to have, very unique collectible. Indeed. Um, so moving off from collectibles, the reason, the, the main reason why we have Mr. Mark Strom on the show this week is because... one. What? I knew there had to be one. There had to be a reason. Uh, we, we brought Stromy on because he is our liaison to all things Marvel Studios, whether it's TV, animation, um, live action TV, movies, video games, everything that's going on in our West Coast office, Stromy's there because his desk is there. So we want him to come here and give us a little bit more information about what's on TV, the, the insight that, you know, he has and he can bring from being in that environment all the time. So, Strami, why don't you run down what's on TV this week? All right. So on TV this week, uh, uh, first off, Superhero Squad show is on uh, every weekday morning at 7 a.m. According to our intern, John Tancredi, who, again, may be off. Uh, Thursday's episode is Mother of Doom, uh, which is an episode in which you get to meet Doom's mother, Dr. Doom's mother, Coco uh, Von Doom. who is a fantastic character. Coco Von Doom. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, I believe she's played by the same voice actor who does Dr. Doom himself. So it's, it's just it's. I don't know. I love Coco Van Doom is is uh, one of my favorite uh, characters from the Superhero Squad show, and then Friday's episode is Last Day for Doomsday, and I'm not going to lie, I can't quite remember what that episode is about, um, but I'm sure it's another great episode. Then Friday night on G4, we've got the premiere of a new episode of X Men, uh, the anime series. Uh, this one's entitled Power, and if you've been watching the series so far, you know that the first four episodes have been very action-heavy. The X-Men go to Japan to rescue Hisako Achiki, who uh, we know better <laughs> as uh, as Armor. Um and they meet up with Emma Frost there. Both Emma and Hisako are being held captive uh, by the U-Men. Um, they rescue them, and now they're going back to Westchester, back to the X-Men mansion, and this week's episode is sort of a uh, uh, the eye of the storm. Uh, Emma and Hisako are both approached to potentially become a part of the X-Men. Um... And it's really great to see Hisako learning how to use her powers 
Uh, you get to see Scott deal with some more of the fallout of um, the death of Jean Grey, which happened at the uh, very beginning of this series. Um, and it's a really great episode. If you haven't watched it yet, I'd say it's a great episode to jump in on. Uh, and then next week, it dives right back into the action. Then uh, after that, at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we've got uh, the Iron Man anime series, uh, which previously aired along with Wolverine uh, in the weeks before X-Men. Uh, but we are replaying it after X-Men. This week's episode is Outbreak. Um, for those who don't know the Iron Man anime series, uh, Adrian Pazdar voiced Tony Stark, Iron Man. Adrian Pazdar from uh, uh, Heroes fame. Uh, and Pardon? And Profit. And Profit. Um, and it's, you know, Iron Man going up against the Zodiac organization in Japan, and they are, you know, tampering with a lot of his uh, facilities and uh, 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 labs and everything there. Um, and he's sort of going over there to try and figure out what's going on. Uh, Iron Man Armored Adventures, there is no new episode this upcoming Monday. Um, instead, we get two new episodes on a week from Saturday, November 26th, is when the next new episode of Iron Man Armored Adventures is. On Saturday, November 26th, we've actually got a 10-hour-long uh, uh, marathon on Nicktoons, beginning at noon Eastern Time, and it will culminate with two new episodes at uh, 9 o'clock. The first, uh, which was originally supposed to air last this past Monday, but there was a last-minute schedule change, so now is airing uh, on Saturday the 26th. It features two new, not new students, but two students at the Tomorrow Academy where Tony Stark goes to school. Uh, one, Rona, used top of the class until Tony showed up and now she sort of wants to get her revenge on Tony by turning the school into a death trap. And she has a twin brother who is... I don't want to spoil too much about but if you're a Marvel Comics fan, there's a cool twist with her twin brother um, that you will enjoy. And then after that, uh, we've got episode 213 at 9.30 p.m. on November 26th. And this is the episode that really wraps up the first half of the second season of Iron Man Armored Adventures. It's called Heavy Metal, uh, but metal is spelled M-E-T-T-L-E. -E. So uh, got that clever pun going on. And it's really... Over the course of this first half of the season, you've been seeing things building with Obadiah Stain, who runs Stark International. And this is really the final confrontation in sort of the Armor Wars arc of this second season. It's Iron Man versus Obadiah Stain, Iron Monger, and it's just a huge, huge battle. Uh, that will sort of change things for Iron Man moving into the second half of the season. And that is what we have in Marvel TV. 
Very good, Stromy. You did a lot of talking right there. We thank you for uh, for giving all the info. That was great. Um, so I think we're we're pretty long um, for this this week in Marvel. Uh, we've been going on for a while, so we want to make sure that you guys are still with us. We're going to run through the news um, real quick before we get to answer some Twitter questions. Um, so the news, Ben, why don't you start us off with uh, the news for from uh, last week? Sure thing, Ben. Uh, we had two big news announcements on our digital comics, and that's that both Ultimate Comics titles as well as the Season 1 graphic novels in 2012 will be adapting the same uh, model that Avenging Spider-Man used, that being that if you buy the print issue, you can also get a code to buy the digital issue for free. All the information on that is on Marvel.com. We had a number of sneak peeks at upcoming books, uh, including New Avengers 19, Ultimate Comics X-Men number 4, Uncanny X-Force number 18, Amazing Spider-Man number 676, and Venom number 11, as well as Avengers 21, and Invincible Iron Man number 511. So a lot of sneak peeks at upcoming comics. Uh, Last week featured the return of our Experts uh, series of columns. This week focused on Kitty Pride, where we invite the various writers of the X-Men titles to kind of give their round-robin opinions on the various members of the X-Men. We had a story on the prep and landing backup story that appeared in some Marvel titles last week, talking about how those Disney characters made their way into Marvel. Um, We had on Monday, exclusive to Marvel.com, the 2012 February solicits for the Avengers family of titles, uh, including Rick Remender and Gabriel Hardman's first issue of Secret Avengers, uh, big stuff with Norman Osborn and New Avengers, Avengers X Sanction, more stuff like that. We had the latest uh, episode of The Watcher, which I mentioned earlier speaking with Ellie Pyle about Spider Island. Had a great Tuesday Q&A with Rick Remender, uh, who spoke about Venom. He spoke about Uncanny X-Force. It's one of our longest Tuesday Q&As, packed with good information and art. We started the World of the Scarlet Spider series, which I am writing myself, and that's me talking to Chris Yost about different elements of the upcoming uh, Scarlet Spider series. So far, we've covered Kane, the main character. We've covered Houston. Today, we covered the supporting cast. And when this podcast goes up tomorrow, we'll also cover the villains. And uh, we had a story today about stuff coming up in the Hulk title uh, after the Hulk of Arabia title. We discussed the Punisher and Marvel Neon Sign, Marvel Select products we mentioned earlier. And Stromy talked about uh, Alan Silvestri, who is going to be scoring Marvel's The Avengers. And that is the latest Marvel news for this week. Thank you, Ben. Um, so, before we wrap up this week in Marvel, we're going to look at some of the questions that we got in from Twitter. Uh, Wolfman underscore cometh on the Twitter, who uh, I met at C2E2 this year, he says, "What is Stromy's favorite body spray scent?" Stromy, what do you what What's your favorite body spray scent? I I do not use body spray scent. Okay, so Stromy smells. It's good to know. That's why you're on the West Coast and we're on the East Coast. I use some deodorant. There's a there's a fancy uh, Italian uh, cologne thing that my mother got me uh, for Christmas one year. Uh, for those wondering why I'm laughing uh, intermittently in the middle of my responses, it's because of Ben Morse making fun of me in the comments below this. I'm going to stop. Step it up, Stromy. Um, we have a question from D. Wayne Feenstra, uh, who wants to know, uh, do we think having previews in the hands of the fans hurts comics more than it helps pre-ordering? Um, 
so I think we have the previews out there and we, we give them to fans. And um, I, I think, I don't really think it hurts um, more than it helps. I think it, it probably gives people more insight into the books that they don't know about rather than steering them away from books that they do know about. Um, where, whether or not it helps specifically pre-ordering, um, I don't, I don't know. And I, as far as, you know, hurting comics as a whole, I don't really think it hurts. Um, I don't think it hurts comics. What do you guys say? I mean, you know, from a business standpoint, like you said, it's, that's really, that's really a question for the suits and ties. Um, I know as a fan, one of the cool things for me as a kid was not knowing what was coming up. Um, other than just say, seeing little, you know, covers or solicit blurbs and being surprised every month. But as an adult, you know, I'm so into the culture of comics that I love knowing everything about what's coming up. So, you know, I think there's, from a fandom point of view, there's arguments for and against having previews out there. It's very cool to know all that information, but it's also cool to, um, it's also cool to be surprised. And from a business standpoint, yeah, I mean, I think it helps to hopefully, hopefully sell all the books we can and get, like Ryan said, get people interested in books you might not know about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, personally, I I just do not read um, previews for upcoming books. Well, particularly books that I am reading, I will usually not read, you know, um, the preview or the synopsis or whatever for, you know, the issue that's coming out three months ahead of time. So really, you know, it, it's an issue of if you want to be a surprise by a book, just don't read the preview or the preview solicit um but at the same time uh for books that i'm not reading i use those to you know get a sense of whether i would want to read it i look ahead and see why i do want to buy all of the stuff that i'm not reading so i think it uh i think it does help definitely um question from pat loika um, who says, now that Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is out, who are our per- respective teams? Um, I haven't gotten my personal copy of the game yet. I've played it a bit here and there. Um, I would probably say Nova, um, Super Scroll, and maybe Rocket Raccoon, just to, to really spice it up a little bit. Um, Super Scroll is, is a must-have for me. I love Modok, but he I just I'm not very good with him. I'm not very good with the game itself. But um Nova is just absolutely terrific and um I like what Rocket Raccoon brings to the game. What about you guys? Well, I've never uh I have not gotten to play the game yet. I'm looking forward to hopefully doing it soon, but I think I would definitely want to have Nova leading my team. Um he seems very versatile. Um Who's the who's the Capcom lawyer? Who's also a, a, a Phoenix like, right? Yeah, uh, that just sounds like a dynamite concept to me. Uh, I can't not play as a lawyer who is somehow also in a fighting game. And you know, this is God. The Marvel fan in me is uh, is angry at myself. But can you can you play as Mega Man? Nope. You can play as nope. Zero, which is a Mega Man yeah. universe character. So I'd probably go with Zero. Uh, I'd have Nova leading a Capcom team. Um, you know, that's, that's just how I do it. And then after playing the game, I'd probably pick three completely different characters after realizing I don't know how to use those three. 
You know, Ryan actually stole my exact lineup just because I love the Guardians of the Galaxy and I love the fact that you can essentially put together your own little tiny version of the Guardians of the Galaxy in this game with Nova, Rocket Raccoon, and Super Scrawl. But having said that, I also do really enjoy playing as uh, Tron Bone, I think her name is. Tron Bone. Tron Bone? Bon. Bon. Tron Bon. Uh, I do very much enjoy Tron Bon, so I may kick Super Scroll out and have it be Nova, Rocket Raccoon, and uh, Tron Bon. Interesting. All right. Cool. So thank you, Pat, for the question. Um, going to give a little shout out to Ms. Marvel Girl on Twitter, um, who was tweeting um, to Ben and I after listening to uh, This Week in Marvel Episode 2. Really. She she just um, she had some nice words and some good commentary and we we thank her and everybody else for listening. Very cool lady, we really appreciated it. Yep. Um, and then a, the final bunch of questions are coming in from Amazing Jr. eighty seven. Um, he's got a bunch of questions for this week in Marvel, so we'll go right through them. Um, he wants to know about if there will be Marvel Select figures for the Avengers film. Um, It's too early to talk about collectibles for Marvel's The Avengers. Uh, I don't know who will be putting what out, if anything will be coming out, but I think it's a safe bet that there will be cool swag coming out. It's just way too early to discuss that stuff right now. Um, The anti-Venom figure from Marvel Select that we talked about last week wants to know when that'll be out. I think... I think that's out now. Um, we have a new story on Marvel.com about that. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, a good question from AmazingJR87, and this one, Strami, you can address. Was S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Phil Coulson a character in the comic books before the films? No, he was not. Um, he was created uh, specifically for the first Iron Man film. There you go. Um, and he will be in the Ultimate Spider-Man animated series. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, he will be. Uh, voiced by Clark Gregg, who uh, plays him in the films. Very good. Um, and then finally, uh, AmazingJR87 wants to know, will there be any updates concerning the Cloak & Dagger series on ABC Family? Strami? Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, that uh, all those are in development uh, as uh, our... Executive Vice President, head of Jeff Loeb, or head of television, Jeff Loeb has said. Um, so you know, nothing really to talk about there yet. Uh, but as soon as we can talk about something, uh, you'll hear about it on Marvel.com. And in the meantime, you should pick up the uh, upcoming trade paperback edition or the available now single issues of Spider Island Cloak and Dagger by Nick Spencer and Emma Rios. Great series, which we'd love to see more of. So. Share your support that way to uh, old Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, Cloak and Dagger all over. Um, That is it for another episode of This Week in Marvel. We thank you guys for listening. Uh, Hopefully, we're we're still trying to figure out what's going on with iTunes, why they're not picking up the the show. Um, We're hopefully going to get that sorted out real soon. Um, We will have a show next week. Um, We'll probably make it a little bit shorter and do it early on Wednesday and get it out either late Wednesday or possibly on Thanksgiving day. Um, but we will make sure we get you guys a show. We don't want to miss our fourth show. Um, 
you, again, if you have questions that you want us to answer, tweet them to me, agent underscore M on Twitter, to Ben, Ben J. Morse on Twitter, or to Mark Stromy on Twitter, S-T-R-O-M-M-Y. Make sure you hashtag them this week in Marvel. You don't even have to tweet them to us. Don't tweet them to us. Just make sure that they're hashtagged with this week in Marvel so that we can find them easily and then answer them on the podcast. Um, any last words, guys? Uh, Strami, it was great to have you on the show. I just want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. My future endeavors, thank you for the best of luck, Ben. Thank you all for listening. It's, it's, it's been a good time. And please, uh, like Ryan said, tweet us with questions. And also tweet us to let us know how you're enjoying the show. How can we improve it? What do you like that we're doing? How can we make this your show? Because this is Marvel. Uh, what's the second part? It's your universe. Strami, I was going to let you have that one. Thanks. This is Marvel, your universe.